Hello and welcome to the GMCF podcast, an inside look at the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. I'm Dave Lewis, your host of the GMCF podcast. This is episode number six, and we're going to learn today more about a unique opportunity, how people can help others in the community through what's called the Yes Fund. The GMCF podcast is brought to you by the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation, and our goals are to to visit with people that are behind the scenes here at the foundation, but also throughout the nonprofit community here in Manhattan, Kansas, and throughout uh, uh, many of the other GMCF partner cities that uh, that we work with. And today, we have the honor to visit with uh, a man who's been in the community for uh, a whole lot longer time than, than, than I know. Mike Colon is a uh, past uh, dean of the College of Education at Kansas State University, and uh, you've done a lot of things here. Dean Holan, thank you for joining us here in the GMCF podcast. Well, Dave, thanks very much for inviting me. It's a great opportunity to let people know what it is that uh, the Yes Fund is about and uh, to encourage them to be involved. I think fundamentally everybody who is involved with the Yes Fund believes that it, for over a quarter of a century, has been an incredible uh, contribution to this community and and as they get to know it, the more they're interested in donating to it. So I'm, I'm glad to be here to represent that. Well, we have a lot to learn about the Yes Fund. And one of the things that we strive to do is just connect uh, the organizations, these opportunities to our community so that they can better understand and get greater knowledge and uh, have increased opportunity to provide some assistance financially or whatever the case may be. So the Yes Fund, you said, has been going for over 25 years. It had a rather interesting timing of its start. In 1993, where we had a community that was, you know, got hammered pretty good in 1993 by a flood, then there was uh, one member of the community, Mr. Ed Seaton, who is the publisher of uh, the Manhattan Mercury and uh, so many other uh, publications, and also in involved in radio and television at the time, saw an opportunity with some connections that he had. How did that begin? Well, Dave, Ed's always been pretty good at looking at opportunities and. And, of course, uh, the flood in 93 was more of a challenge than an opportunity, but he uh, saw the chance to connect his relationships with a former commanding general at Fort Riley, who was now the president of the Tribune Foundation in Chicago, supported by the families that uh, had created the Chicago Tribune. Uh, at that time, their priority was supporting smaller communities in the country with matching funds to encourage philanthropy on the part of the citizens of those communities. And while I can almost guarantee you that they hadn't thought of Manhattan as being a smaller community, um, I doubt we were on their radar at all. Uh, what would be a small community? I think they're to thinking, to be honest, I think they're thinking more like Cleveland. <laughs> okay, <laughs> some half a million people as yeah. opposed to maybe you know uh, thirty, forty thousand at yes, the time. Yes, and I and I'm guessing that the vast majority of their output was involved over five hundred thousand people. But Ed is a very convincing gentleman, uh, and he used the relationship and the and the catastrophe for our community with the '93 flood to encourage. Uh, this individual with whom he'd worked before to uh, consider Manhattan an appropriate venue 
to look at at uh, supportive philanthropy. And so for a long time, uh, the the uh, foundation actually provided a one-to-one match for initially for flood recovery. Mm-hmm. And but they saw this opportunity with the Yes Fund, which hadn't even been called that yet. Uh, yes stands for Youth Empowerment for Success. And they agreed to match one for one with that program. That led to a lot of generous donors. Aside from the typical donor in the community, there really is a a core group of people who have contributed over all these years uh, in a major way. Uh, I don't even know if they want me saying this, but, but they've all committed to uh, at least $10,000 a year, uh, and they've done that for over 25 years. Uh, so that matching issue was uh, truly important to the success of this endeavor. How have those funds been utilized uh, by, I suppose, youth organizations or youth-based opportunities in the community? Yeah. Let me tell you just a little bit about how that happened, uh, and then then I will get to to your okay. question. Uh, in the early '90s, there was a concern in this community that was kind of focused in on Riley County and Manhattan's youth advisory boards. Yes, and that focus was that our our, our kids were not very happy with Manhattan. They regarded this as a college town, and they would just tell people, this community doesn't care anything about us. They just care about stuff that goes on at the college. In the early 90s, I said the same thing. Yeah. And they also said uh, that it made any difference to the community whether they stayed here or not, and that most of them said they didn't intend to live here, that as soon as they could get out of Manhattan, they were going to leave at the same time, there was a lot of information from our law enforcement authorities and from the school who hears this secondarily that there was a tremendous increase in vandalism, let me call it hanging out behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, student union at the university was complaining that it was full of high school students and right. middle school students. And the law enforcement people were very concerned that there just w- wasn't enough to do. Uh, for these students before and after school. And that coincided with what the social services agencies were hearing also. Uh, And so the Yes Fund initial donors, which were really spearheaded by Ed Seaton with the Mercury and Bob DeBrian, owner, president of Master Teacher, Their suggestion was that we formulate a process where we could provide funding for the community to do things on behalf of the youth. I'll tell you, it's really hard to recognize these days. You mentioned that I'd been here for a while. Uh, This is actually my 50th year anniversary in Manhattan. Congratulations, (laughs) and thank you, Manhattan, for keeping you here for so long. Well, you know, in all honesty, I... I intended to stay here for three years. I grew up on the West Coast, and not many people move from the West Coast to and stay Kansas and yeah. stay. Uh, but I found this to be a, a especially great community to live in, raise a family, and so I was pleased to 
respond to Ed and to uh, Mr. DeBrian and uh, try to involve our college in a way that would generate a lot of resources itself. Uh, the one thing that, that I had access to, among the things I had access to as dean, were a really lot of students who were interested in kids. And so our college passed a proposal to require all of our students before they entered their formal program, which is two years in, uh, to demonstrate that they had spent time in volunteer work for um, young people. Oh, well, that worked out nicely for them. Uh, didn't it worked out into, over time, hundreds of thousands of hours of volunteer time. Um, some of those students might characterize it as questionably volunteer. Uh, but but we thought it was very good for them to spend time with young people before they committed to a professional activity like teaching. Uh, and we thought it was good for the community, and it mixed really well with this notion of the Yes Fund. Uh, we, we gave high priority to... Uh, projects that propose to use College of Education or other university students. It didn't have to just mm -hmm. be College of Ed. And so so not only did it generate the match money and the contributions, but it also generated untold hundreds of thousands of dollars of volunteer uh, labor. So it ended up being a great thing. In those days... We complained because there wasn't enough to do for hmm. students, mm -hmm. and that's what they complained about. We had a very we we continue to have a pretty restrictive varsity type athletics programs in our high schools and that sort of thing leaves a lot of kids out. Yeah, and there weren't very many other activities for them to do. So the the uh, yes fund people. <clears throat> The Yes Fund people saw this as an opportunity to provide seed money for physical activity um, and involvement on the part of our kids. And nowadays, parents complain because there are so many activities that it's hard to get their kids to all of them. But people who think back to all those years realized there was not that kind of opportunity for our young people. And so... A significant number of our resources went to things like intramurals, football, basketball, swimming. In those days, not soccer, but nowadays, definitely soccer. Uh, and I'm strongly convinced, you know, life's not an experiment, and so you can't do it over again and see what really caused things to happen. There are no guarantees. There aren't. And I'll tell you, I firmly believe that what the Yes Fund did resulted in a significant stimulus for all the activities that there are in the community now. Do you think that that had any kind of uh, impetus or provided any kind of impetus in what would happen just a couple of years later with the school district passing a, a big bond issue with the construction of new elementaries and middle schools? Oh, I think it had an impact on all kinds of things. One of the things I've learned over my life is that uh, – when something's successful, there's no shortage of people to take credit for it. <laughs> um, and so there are tons of people that would explain it. But 
the dynamics of how a community grows and flourishes are not settled into one factor. They're part of a whole constellation of events and activities that that folks have promoted. And I have absolutely no doubts that the Yes Fund was crucial in all of that. Sounds like it was really needed at a very um, difficult time for the community, as well as, you know, not just children, but for their parents as well. Yes, I agree completely. That People forget that it used to be that you weren't allowed to bring your students to school until a very set time, just before they opened, and that they weren't allowed to stay after school. They they had to stay after school for disciplinary yeah. reasons, that sort of thing, but there weren't activities focused on the schools. Now, you got things like boys and girls clubs that are doing all kinds of things for kids. And, Absolutely. You know, they've got to be beneficiaries to, uh, to, to Yes Fund scenarios. Uh, the Yes Fund has supported Boys and Girls Club and the Manhattan Community School Foundation more mm-hmm. than anything else. They've been our, the big recipients. Uh, and it's no surprise, given the things that they're involved in. And, 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 it, and it isn't an accident that the same people who are involved in the Yes Fund were, have been involved in Boys and Girls Club, for example, um, in a lot of other ways. Uh, uh, Dennis Mullen from Steel and Pipe, uh, Jack Goldstein, the, the uh, founder of Steel and Pipe, was always a huge supporter on the board of the Yes Fund. And and Dennis did also. Um, I served on the board, have always served on the board. And uh, Dennis and I were responsible for um, finding supporters of Boys and Girls Club to build their new facility. And on a short basis, we chaired that. And it's no accident that the Yes Fund people are involved in those things Um, in many ways. Absolutely. This is the GMCF podcast. Today we're visiting with Dean Mike Holen. Uh, Dean Holen is retired from Kansas State University's College of Education. We're speaking about the Yes Fund that got its founding in Manhattan in 1993. And the Yes Fund is different in in 2021 here coming off a pandemic. How would uh, some Yes Fund assistance be utilized in response to the pandemic? Well, we certainly hope that we're returning to a whatever normal is Mm -hmm. um, and the kinds of activities that we've always done, which are very interactive, very participatory. This is not a do-more-school, after-school program. Programs that get funded are intended to be activity-based. They're actually, they're focused on older students. Uh, where the issues that were raised in 93 were a big concern. The pandemic caused, uh, frankly, a few people, a few organizations to decline the money which had already been allocated before the pandemic hit us. They decided they couldn't do their programs. They just weren't the nature that you could could manipulate them. But the vast majority of them actually uh, found ways they tend to be creative people in the first place. Uh, I mean, that's why they're proposing these programs and doing these sorts of things. And so they did what many of us do. They figured out Zoom approaches. Mm-hmm. They figured out things that involve distancing and that sort of thing. The safety of our children is probably paramount of anything. 
Uh, you know, we like to talk about their learning and this and that and the other thing, but safety is a huge concern. And so all of these people followed the the most stringent standards of Riley County Health Department and, and the CDC to make sure that these kids were safe. Things like music at the art center, mm-hmm. well, they did those things on Zoom, and they had an instructor, and they engaged in activities together on Zoom. There are things they did in parking lots. Absolutely. So many, many of them were able to continue their, their activities, and we were proud to be able to fund them because it takes extra effort on these people's part. Most of them are volunteers, and, you know, they're doing this because they love kids and they think it's important to the community. At a time when families were struggling financially as well. Absolutely. And they pay a lot of attention, not just in the pandemic, but all the time, to see to it that children who otherwise couldn't afford these can afford it. They do things with, let's call them scholarshiping. Mm -hmm. This isn't athletics in the university, but they scholarship them. And they use the school's to assure that the appropriate kids get support. And they use the schools to identify uh, children who might not ask because they thought it was too expensive so that they those children can be approached and uh, convinced to be involved. Uh, people do a lot of great things. Dean Holland, let's talk a bit about the fun drive that you have. And it's, it's ongoing now through uh, Labor Day, I believe, uh, coming up here in early September. The efforts that you have, give us a little description as far as uh, what uh, what all is involved in, in raising money for the YES Fund. We have several uh, long-term supporters. They've, they have provided, they serve on as an advisory board. Uh, they have provided significant resources every year since this began. And they have friends, um, and so they fundraise with them, but particularly the Mercury does a lot of advertising for this, full-page ads, lots of recognitions, that sort of thing, lots of articles on uh, the programs that YES supports. They do that all for free. There's no cost to the YES Fund or any of the projects for that set of activities. The folks who provide matching funds Uh, see to it that the costs are assumed by their monies so nobody uses people's money to pay folks and that sort of thing. Master Teacher provides all of the uh, mailings, all of the printing, that sort of thing. So the people who contribute their money, 100% of that money goes to the programs for the kids. That is That's almost, a rarity. It's not only rare, you'd have to search yeah. forever to find anything with this magnitude. Remember, in our community, our community is not the biggest of all communities. We typically award something on the order of a quarter million dollars a year. Uh, you won't find people mm-hmm. awarding a quarter million dollars a year who charge nothing yeah. for costs. Wow. So, That's impressive. I, I mean, the dollar a person gives is a dollar a kid gets. That's unprecedented in almost every respect, isn't it? It, it is. It is. And the, 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 
the people who donate to this should be incredibly proud of what they're doing because yeah. they're not given 95 cents to some advertiser or to professional callers or all of that sort of thing. They're giving a dollar to this, and that dollar goes to kids' activity. Well, how can people make their contributions? There are two ways. One of them is if, if they're inclined to do online, uh, the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation um, website will direct them to, to do- donate. Which is mcfks.org. Uh, yes, and they and that's easy. They've made it easy to do, and it's a way for many people to contribute. The Mercury prints at least once a week has a form that can be sent in. It also has the the website information. You can print it off their page, and you can. Uh, Cut the form out and fill it out and mail it in, just like I did when I, when I was younger. And the Mercury sees to it that that gets uh, to where it needs to be to have the big impact. Well, it's amazing and it's impressive, and it, it's one of the more gratifying opportunities, I think, for people that have been involved in the Yes Fund to be able to help out to at this level to people that are probably need it the most yes yes and and i think no one should ig- ignore what happens over years we've been in business for well over 25 years um it's a little hard to tie down when the first contribution arrived but certainly a quarter of a century and i think it, it's pretty easy to see in the conglomerate at least five million dollars to the manhattan mm. community for youth activities um before and after school programming Five million dollars for Manhattan is, when I tell people around the country what we're involved in, they're shocked because they said they wouldn't believe that could happen. And I'm talking to people in communities of half a million, a million, or more, and they they just said, I can't see that happening. And Manhattan should be very proud of this. Well, tip of the cap to uh, Ed Seaton and Bob DeBryan and the the Tribune Corporation, the McCormick Foundation, for um, providing us that initial spark. And uh, I understand the McCormick Foundation isn't a part of the Yes Fund any no, longer? they are not. They are not. But, but we have secured the matching monies from other sources. The Greater Manhattan Community Foundation has been a huge supporter of that and... Uh, and has helped the Yes Fund with its many successes. Well, what a great story in Manhattan, Kansas with the Yes Fund. Dean Holland, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. We certainly enjoyed the the opportunity opportunity to learn more about the Yes Fund here on the GMCF podcast. The GMCF podcast is thrilled to have Dean Mike Holland joining us here uh, for our program today, talking about the Yes Fund, which goes to work for a lot of youngsters in our community and has been doing so for, for well over 25 years now. We invite you to subscribe to the GMCF podcast wherever you get your podcast, whether it be Spotify or Apple or Amazon and basically just about wherever you get your podcast. We'd like to bring you up to date on the great things that are happening in Manhattan and the surrounding area, as well as our affiliate uh, partners that we have throughout the uh, Uh, what, 14, 15 different communities in Northeast Kansas. The GMCF website is mcfks.org. We're at 555 Points Avenue on the second floor of the west end of the building, and we invite you to stop by if you have that contribution you'd like to make to the Yes Fund. You can drop it off here as well. 
The GMCF podcast is produced in downtown Manhattan at the Ad Astracast Studios. My name's Dave Lewis. It's a thrill to have you join us again, and we'll see you next time where we take another look at the work of the folks that make a lot of things happen at the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation here on the GMCF podcast. <laughs>